This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to episode 171 of the Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and also available on the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Hopefully you're enjoying the hot weather we're having outside. Actually, as I record this open, we're having one of those rare days where the humidity is not at 250%. That's only a slight exaggeration over the 180% that it normally is. But it's not bad outside. You know, it's uh, something interesting to talk about how the year goes by. I was in one of the Lowe's department stores, I guess about a week ago, a little more than a week ago, and I walk in on the inside and got stopped in my tracks because they've already got Halloween decorations up. It's August. Isn't there something about that that is just a bit annoying? I'm one of these people that I just refuse to rush towards holidays. And for the record, I hate people who want to just brush by Thanksgiving. It is the most awesome holiday. Now, Christmas is wonderful because of all of the religious aspects of it for you know people who are deep in their faith and celebrating that. And, and I'm not saying you don't, but don't rush past Thanksgiving to get there. That's a, that's a tangent for another day. We can do that another day. Maybe we'll do get Condon in here and we'll do a what hacks me off the most show and I can have that on my list. Anyway, today is really about learning about what's happening on the inside of state government with the man who heads what is basically the state's chamber of commerce, the Louisiana Association of Business and Industry. And his name is Stephen Wagaspak. We call him Wags. And he's going to be in studio with me just a moment. He'll be talking about what's happening in state government. The mood in the legislature right now, all these special sessions we've had, what does progress really mean? And I'm going to really give him a rough time about whether or not he's running for governor. I don't expect he's going to tell me flat out he is, but you'll get a chance to hear it when he's in studio in just a moment. Looking forward to that. By the way, next week, I will have a sit down with as far as media is concerned, one of the more elusive figures in the history of Baton Rouge, and that is Walter Monsoor. Walter's going to come to the studio and sit and talk with me, and we're going to talk about the early days, his early days, just after college, getting into politics, some of the things that he did while working with local offices, and I think a couple things in there might surprise you. You may not have known that Walter was into things like that, right? And so he's going to talk about that, his time in the mayor's office with Kip Holden. Uh, We'll pick some of the more notable moments in that administration's time, Katrina, Rita, Wilma, Gustav, some of the talk about the divide in Baton Rouge and why Mayor Holden wasn't more interested, quote unquote, in doing something in North Baton Rouge. I'm going to ask Walter about all of that. And if you know anything about Walter Monsoor, he is a straight shooter. He's going to give it to you in the way that he feels it. Straight, no chaser. So I'm looking forward to that on episode 172. And again, our guest today is very similar to that. Wags worked under Governor Bobby Jindal and has for the past few years been running Lobby. 
and he's got a lot to talk about, and I will talk with him about that before I tell you, uh, right after I tell you that you can follow me on Twitter at ClayYoungBR. Appreciate the love that we're getting from people about the podcast. Man, that's awesome. Keep spreading the word about it. And of course, on Facebook, forward slash Clay Young with the very familiar pose in that profile picture that I refuse to change anytime soon. I catch a rough time from buddies about that, but I ain't changing that picture anytime soon. I hate taking pictures anyway. That one was okay, and it's just going to have to sit there for a little while. So there it is. All right, let's come back and talk to Wags right after this on The Clay Young Show. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution. John, let's talk about killing roaches. Keeping them out of the house, it's a year-round problem. What do people do about it? Well, it's amazing. You know, the little roaches have nothing to do with the cleanliness of your house. Yeah. They're actually transported in in UPS boxes or wow. brown paper bags from yeah. the grocery store. So, you know, once they get in, you know, you just don't reach for a can of aerosol because you actually have to bait them because they're going to build a nest either behind a cabinet or inside a wall cavity where you will never be able to spray an insecticide to kill them. And if you catch one of those little jokers goose-stepping across your kitchen floor, you want to have the product to nuke him, right? Actually, you don't, because hmm. you want him to carry the bait back to the nest. Okay, so in the Baton Rouge area, where can I buy this product? Well, in Baton Rouge, we're located at 806 O'Neill Lane. That's about a block south of Old Hammond Highway. Or if you have questions, just give us a call at 273 All right, back with Stephen Wagusback, the president of the, of the Louisiana Association of Business and Industry. And before we hit the red button, we're just talking along and having a good conversation. I was like, okay, all right, Wags, let's record this. Because if you're going to say something that, that's going to be juicy, I need it on the record here. Well, that's the stuff that should be off the record, to be honest with you. But, you know, I've never been good at that, and so it is what it is. <laughs> hey, at least with me, you see it coming. <laughs> We've right, been friends exactly. a long time. That's right. So, well, first up, before we get into policy and politics and all that stuff, what's going on, brother? How are you? I'm doing well. You know, uh, no complaints. We uh, Believe it or not, we're not in special session these days. So, are you sure? Yes. Well, I don't know. I haven't been there in a couple hours, but okay. I think we are right. session-free today. So, um, you know, all that ended, had some summertime with the family, and now we're back in the school grind, and now I'm just waiting for LSU football like everyone else. Yeah, uh, and we'll talk about that. The booking that Miami game is game number one. A little, uh, little nervous about that, but... Do you have at the ready the cost of the or the amount of money we've spent on sessions so far? Oh no, I mean it's you know I don't I don't get in that minutia right there. Yeah. All I can tell you, it's not necessarily the cost that I'm putting on a session that worries me. It's the cost that goes to confidence in the state, confidence yeah. in the economy, the number of employers who say. Look, man, y'all change the rules every six months. You're right. always throwing rhetoric out there that's harmful for investment. Just make a plan and go home and let me get back to business. That's that's the cost I'm worried about. Well, and and we talk about lobby. Lobby is basically the state's chamber of commerce. 
and you have a list of priorities Mm -hmm. that you and your team are dealing with every day. What are those priorities for people not familiar with Lobby? Yeah, and a little bit about the process, how we get there first. We have something we call a program of work. And okay. so well, Lobby, we're a member organization. And so we've got 2,300 businesses around the state who are members. Mm-hmm. Big company, small company, multi, multi-international companies, small mom and pops, everything you can think of, we got a little bit of that voice in our membership. So it's really cool in that sense that we've got a great, well-rounded perspective on what employers around the state are saying. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we listen to them throughout the year. And we put together, we call our program of work. And so it's the issues that we stand for, not because we sit in some back room and poll test something. It's because we listen to our members and we write it down when they talk. And so our agenda has stayed fairly constant for a long time because our members tell us this is what the needs are. So it's it's a long agenda. What are those those needs? So I would say workforce is what I hear a ton. Mm-hmm. And not to get too wonky real quick, but when you think workforce, a lot of people say, oh, welding program. Mm-hmm. It's much more than that. And it starts in K-12 schools. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. The name yeah. of the game is our workers, excuse me, our employers are desperate for workers who can read, write, stay drug fee, and have good soft skills. Yeah. yeah. Period and discussion. And that starts in K-12. So workforce is huge. Um, partnering with LCTCS and all is a big one as well, but workforce, huge K-12. Um, the legal climate. We've got a very litigious society. Um, certain industries are completely freaked out by that for good mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. And now because of the international economy, they can go elsewhere and avoid right. it. And so that's what they're starting to do. That concerns me. Um, Constitutional Convention. Our guys are talking more about that. They feel like we need a strong reboot mm-hmm. in order to get this state going in the right direction. I agree with them. It's and 1973? So, yeah, 73 was the last time we yeah. did it. Before that, it was 28. Yeah. Um, and, and look, it's been amended, what, 186 times right. since 73? Right. I mean, it is a huge, cumbersome document right now that is overly prescriptive. And so every year in session, we show up and we have a problem. Mm-hmm. And the first t- thing someone says is, well, our hands are tied. We have to cut healthcare and higher ed. What yeah. else can we do? It's only tied because of this, you know, statute and constitution that we refuse to address. And so our view is control, alt, delete. Let's go mm-hmm. reboot this thing, put a more streamlined constitution in, give us the flexibility we need to go, you know, solve problems every year as they come at us. So constitutional convention, that's a big deal. Um, obviously, infrastructure, transportation, uh, all, all those things come in as well. But I would say the big ones are workforce, which K-12 education is, is the huge issue, mm-hmm. legal climate, and I would say just the overall ability for the state to trust the economy, trust people, and not have an overly prescriptive government approach, and that requires a constitutional convention to tear that out. Well, you led me back to the one that I was going to go go back at, and that is the constitutional convention. And there has been back and forth dialogue about this for over a decade, mm-hmm. it, preceding even you know Governor Jindal and now Governor Edwards doing this and the argument for it is one that you just articulated is that we've got to we really have to bust it up because uh, of all of the sacred cows and and the fact that we keep going and getting money from higher ed and healthcare the argument against it is wow but if you open up every cupboard in the kitchen you may have to worry about what some of the scoundrels quote unquote will do once they get into there so Let's deal first with the cons, because you've kind of talked about why we need to do it. How do you protect against policies that are self-serving for some lawmakers and have a negative impact on the public and businesses? If you are someone out there who's worried about the scoundrels, you know, wreaking havoc, 
I would say start paying attention to what's going on in the Capitol over the last, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years. Okay. The scoundrels run the show. Yeah. I mean, the insiders run the show. When I talk to employers in other states, okay. and I'm like, all right, Louisiana versus Texas, Louisiana versus Florida, talk mm-hmm. to me about what, what the biggest differences are. And you know what just drives me crazy? One of the first things you'll hear from them, and they'll say, look, Wax, if I'm trying to do a deal in Texas, I go sit down with local officials and I kind of work it locally, whether that's infrastructure or investment or whatever. Okay. If I'm doing it in Louisiana, first thing I do is hire lobbyists and run to the Capitol. <laughs> that is disgusting. Yeah. And it sure as heck is competitive too. in today's society. So yeah. too much power in that Capitol. So if you're worried about scoundrels, let me tell you where the scoundrels hang out. Mm-hmm. Let's get in the car and drive up to, you know, to the Capitol right mm-hmm. now. And again, this isn't a personal indictment on who's there. Right. It is the system created almost 100 years ago. Okay. You can elect reformers or status quo or whatever you want. Mm-hmm. The, the, the system itself is propped up by a constitution that puts all the power and patronage and everything in that Capitol. And yeah. it, you just got to change it. We have to have a more local-based approach to solving problems like the other states that are winning in the South, Texas. Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, those counties over there are big solution drivers to their challenges. Oh, yeah. In Louisiana, basically, even the parish government would tell you a lot of times they have to hire a lobbyist right. and run up to the Capitol. Man, that doesn't work. Yeah. It's, it's too expensive. Our budget is enormous. Our challenges continue to grow. And every year we scratch our heads and wonder why it's not changing. Because well, you got to change the system. Well, closest to us here, you see what's going on in Dallas and how just it's growth on top of growth on top of more growth the same in houston i mean from baton rouge you can hop a plane and go directly from here to either city and you can and and 15 20 years ago if 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 anyone here has been there you realize it's never gone backwards they've been continuing to grow how do we create that kind of synergy in Louisiana now, because you've just talked about, hey, the trouble emanates from the capital. Okay, then how do we fix that? I think there's a there's a, there's a simple and tangible here. Okay, but let's I'll be honest, the the, the implementation is going to be tough. But let me tell you, Why? the simple and tangible. It's just like parenting children. Oh, if I'm going to do everything for yeah. my child, and I'm going to dress him and yeah. bathe him and yeah. do everything for him and let him sit on the couch, and I shouldn't be surprised when he's 21 and he don't want to get off the couch and he right. wants me to do everything for him. Right. But if I'm going to make him do chores and make him stand mm-hmm. up for himself, which I try to do, mm-hmm. I think I'm preparing him to be a man. That's real so life. So right now, we do everything for local government. Right. We do everything for everyone at the state capitol. So we are surprised when they do want to do nothing except depend on the capital for everything. I don't think other states do that. And so to me, it's a simple evolution. You go in that constitution, you take out a lot of the prescription in there, and it's really just backspace a whole lot is all you're really doing there. Now, that doesn't mean all the things in that constitution automatically go away. Mm -hmm. It just means now you have to sit down and figure out how we're going to accomplish those objectives with local input. Well, well, okay. so specifically line items that deal with infrastructure. All right, let's just start right on that one. The way that the state funds state, you know, highways and bridges and and areaways that are controlled by the state. In addition to uh, that, the money the state sends to say EBR for roads here, you know, how would you how would you streamline and or improve that? Or how do you think, how, how have people talked about doing it? Not, let me not put the whole thing on you, but sure. how have people talked about doing it? 
Well, what I would say when it comes to infrastructure, everyone understands we have to invest more in infrastructure. We've got traffic gridlock everywhere, especially in the Baton Rouge region. Yeah. But when you ask them, are you willing to raise a tax to invest in it, it's surprising them. People say, no way, because they don't trust where the money's going to go. And right. I think that's because the state itself has too much reach. It's because of that. there's too many state roads as compared right. to local roads, too much state port investment as compared to local port investments. A lot of money flows into Houston Port and Mobile Port, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily from the states over there, but locals. So I think if you put more of that on locals, yeah. you will then find local taxpayers saying, okay, I'm willing to support a revenue increase if you can show me exactly it's going to areas in my backyard. So if you're going to show me the roads here, the intersections here that are going to be improved, right. I think people will invest in that. Um, so I think you have to do it that way. But you, well, you're saying by but by constant... But how, how would you do that by constitutional statute? Well, right now, by constitution, we, we deny locals the ability to decide how they're going to raise revenue. And so to me, because we, we want all that revenue raised by the state, we mm-hmm. want the locals to have no solutions so that they have to run to the state and ask for money and subsidy. And then the state every year comes out and says, oh, we have to raise income taxes or sales taxes mm-hmm. or business taxes because the state has to go back to the same well over and over. That's why we have the highest sales tax code in the country. Right. We have a business climate, which is toxic. Right. And the income tax, it's got a lot of exemptions and credits in it and doesn't really work for government or people. Mm-hmm. And so we've got no real good option at the state level. I would say free up locals and force them to go to their own people by the ballot and say, listen, we're going to invest in these priorities. Here's the tax we're going to use. And then let locals decide if they what want about robust poor, infrastructure. Poor communities. What about poorer parishes, East Feliciana, uh, as an example? What about parishes like that that don't have <clears throat> the disposable income or even the, the, the household income in the parish to be able to pay for those roads? Name me a state in the United States of America that doesn't have poor rural areas. That's true. Every state does. That's we we true. have used that as an excuse mm-hmm. to decentralize the power of the capital. There's no doubt when you're talking about the Delta up in Northeast mm-hmm. Louisiana, there's a lot of challenges there. Yeah. And for 100 years, our approach has been, let's make the capital be the, the end all be all to solving that problem. Well, I would argue 100 years it hadn't worked. So why right. not try a different approach? That doesn't say you're going to not have assistance programs. That doesn't say you're not going to have a state involvement in, in, in meeting some of these You're needs. saying get rid of big daddy government where everybody's got to run over to big daddy to There's get something. Be, right yeah. now, a lot yeah. of locals, if you're a local government right now, basically, if something's not working in your area, you can yeah. say, well, it's not my fault. The legislature yeah. didn't give me money this year. And that's just not, a, that's not leadership. And then as it relates to higher ed, you remember all those years ago, the, the joke about we were going to get gaming, not gambling gaming into Louisiana, and that was going to be our way to help fund a more modernized education system across the state. Yeah, not so much. What about higher ed? You know, I I think when we say higher ed in a generality, it doesn't really meet... Specifically K-12. Well, let me me say, you you brought up higher ed. Before we go down to the the lower schools, let's let's go higher ed. LCTCS, they turned 20 years old this year. So it's their 20th birthday this year. Um... In government terms, that's that's a, a, a you know that's a blink of an eye right there. Mm-hmm. And if you look at LCTCS, basically they don't depend on the state for all of their funding. They what they do is they they reach out to local industry around them and okay. they say, "What are the workers you need? Okay. Help us with the equipment and training that work in your facilities, and we'll provide the workers for you." They have a lot of local private investment. 
community colleges around the country are called community colleges because they're funded largely local, either by local tax base or by local industry. Mm-hmm. In Louisiana, we call them community colleges, but basically they're state colleges. Right. And I just don't right. think we can afford that type of model. So we need the four-year schools to have that same hunger that LCTCS schools have Mm -hmm. to partner with locals. I feel like if LSU, if you look at the business school at LSU or the engineering school is probably the better example at LSU, when they rebuilt that thing over the last decade, um, the engineering dean went out, met with all of the oil and gas companies, all of the big engineering companies, said, Mm -hmm. what do you need? How can we help? They designed that building with their input. And what you saw was a tremendous amount of investment from those industries in the curriculum, in the, in the building itself. Mm-hmm. If, if higher ed at the four-year level had the same type of service mentality that the two-year level has, I think you'd see a lot of private and local investment flow in. But instead, what happens at the four-year school is they sit there in the ivory tower too much. Yeah. And they preach down on people and say, unless you basically give us the blank check, then you don't support us. And people don't buy that anymore. So I agree with you. And I've, and I've heard people say similar give similar answers and my question is has always been why aren't we trying to do this then and if we are trying to do this why haven't why haven't we heard about it well i think in part it's because you know uh, history becomes precedence at some point okay for decades the model is again you hire a lobbyist you run to the legislature you 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 cry bloody murder Mm -hmm. and that's the best way you'll get funded and I think we're, we're tapped out. The economy is what it is. The state budget's the largest it's been in state history, and it's one of the it's the largest per capita spender in the South. It was almost we're tapped out. It's man. almost twice what it was thirteen years ago. I mean, I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna tell me that we have to continue to be the highest per capita spender in the South, yeah, and we're still gonna have higher ed and healthcare vulnerable every single year, right? And you're gonna say there's too much risk to go into a constitutional convention because we can't mess up this great system we have right now. Oh, I'm like, what are you smoking? Okay. That, we, we need a reboot. Okay. That's, that's fair. Let's talk about the, the legislature where I just, um, mm, wow. It's hard to even describe. It, it is, it's so frustrating to watch the process now it's always been interesting and fascinating now it just makes you want to reach for some bourbon after about 20 minutes of watching it how do you how do you create a more functional legislature and i'm not blaming everyone there are well-meaning people in the legislature this is not some personal indictment or personal slight but i think anyone with with you know clear vision can see that it doesn't work as efficiently as it should why is that? All right, so I agree, but I'm going to give you the other side of the story first. Okay. Um, if you think about the early days of the country, mm-hmm. and you start thinking about our founding fathers sure. and all these prestigious, you know, respectable types of stories and, and, and men that we hear, and these, you know, the statues you, you drive by. If you go to Washington, you walk through the Capitol, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, you go is. in the old U.S. Senate, and they start yeah. telling stories. Yeah. And the first story they tell you is how, like, Sam Houston used to sit there with, like, a sombrero in his head drinking whiskey on the Senate floor, <laughs> punching his colleagues that they didn't agree with. I mean, it was a unruly yeah. bunch back then. Senator Sumner from Massachusetts was almost beaten to death on the Senate floor with by 
a couple came, of old boys from South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, those are really yeah. the stories that happened yeah. back then. Yet somehow they managed to create the the country that is the model for yeah. the rest of the world. And yeah. quite frankly, I think is just an amazing you know gift we have to live here. Yeah. And so I, I guess I just tell you that because you know true freedom and democracy is ugly and messy sometimes. I mean, it just is. Ooh, but. And so, and so <laughs> but hang on. Let, Are let, you let making a there. comparison? Wait a minute. No, wait, hang on. Let me, let me get there. Okay. Let me get all there. Right. So, in 2007 was the first year we had term limits come in, uh-huh. and so you get all this new wave of legislators. These are new people coming in with new ideas and new perspectives, and they replaced a bunch of old white men who had been sitting in that building for 45 years. Yeah. And those guys had a system, and the system was. Every year we're going to elect one, two, three, four powerful people. We're going to let them go into a back, dark, smoke-filled room. And when they come out with the plan and tell us what to do, right. we're all going to salute. Because right. we know if we don't salute, we're going to lose our capital that way and we're going to get punished. And so yeah. it's a very orderly process. Mm-hmm. There was no yelling. Right. There was no fussing in, in, in the paper. Very orderly. Mm-hmm. Yet what happened during those orderly years? Seriously, from the 70s to now. No, you're right. We have fallen behind and we sure. continue to do so. So. Do I like this current legislative system? So you're no. saying the more rambunctious... Um, I'm saying this is the new reality. Okay. And you can Explain that, though, the new reality. We have term limits in this, in this yeah. era. In 2019, we're going to elect 64 new members of the legislature. They're going to come in bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. They're mm-hmm. going to have all these hopes and dreams to change the world, yet they won't even know what the bathrooms are. Yeah. And so you can't expect a group like that to come into a new building and within a week, a month, a year, be able to efficiently and orderly, you know, be able to accomplish everything. There's going to be some messiness That's fair. There. Now, I will lay on top of that what I think is a, a large problem, and it is this toxic culture that is social media-driven probably, where the lack of decorum and civility in that building is a huge problem. Somebody's going to get sucker punched. Man, it's not good. I mean, and people need to show more respect. And so, look, we, we fight hard on policy. We believe yeah. in the stuff we believe in. But in fact, somebody did get sucker punched. It just wasn't in the Capitol this past year. That is true. That is true. Yeah, that's true. In a, in a, in a bar late at night. In a bar. And it wasn't you or I, so it's not, it's not nope, an issue. Nope. It in wasn't either. Was curious one. listeners not, at home. Nah, no one in this room well, was no, involved with No one in this room. Was, but it did indeed happen, I was happen, sleeping though. that night. Let's just be clear. <laughs> I was Some at rumors the house get started, too. That's man. right. But it but no, did the, happen. The, the lack of decorum and civility is, is a large problem. So you get these new members in there. They don't yeah. really understand the system. They're trying to get their feet wet. And they're just getting bombarded, you know, with negative, nasty comments. And then they start personalizing each other. And, I mean, you watch that floor sometimes. And these people generally dislike each other. Like hate. And that is a problem. I mean, even Reagan and Tip O'Neill. They would, would drink in the evenings, they man. They would bite to the death during the day and laugh their bellies <laughs> right. off at night. Right. And we need some more of that. There's no well, and I think that. that that comes from real leadership. And I think when you're in a function, you know, I tweeted something a long time, a few weeks ago, that for an elected official being called a, a politician ought to be taken like an insult. And for a long time, it was kind of this tongue in cheek thing. People said, oh, you're a politician. Now the way it's just it's destructive now. And like you said, it's okay to have vehement disagreement. I mean, even, you know, fiery disagreement on the House or the Senate floor. But it's going much further than that now. And then it's getting personal. And then we lose what it's all about. It's like, hey, if you're talking about a bill that deals with taxing inventory for a company, it shouldn't wade into all of these other socioeconomic things. Let's stay right here and debate the pros and cons of it and then either agree or agree to disagree. But some of this other stuff, it just turns people off. And then the public says, 
No respect for that. And then it's hard for you to draw them to your side to say, support us in this initiative or that initiative, because they're like, they're just a bunch of clowns up there. Why should I even care? It's never going to get better. Am I wrong? 100% agree. And so what I would tell you is one, that's why I I feel like sometimes I'm a fish out of water out of there because I've been in committee hearings where literally I've been, you know, name called, fussed at, finger pointed, chewed out in committees. Oh, well, it is what it is. And later that night, I'm talking with those same people who are doing that because I'm all about let's build that bridge. Right. Okay, I understand you're irritated. Let's talk about how we get to a solution. That's right. how I approach the game. Right. A lot of people don't know how to deal with that. And so sometimes I wonder if I'm a, a fish out of water in that sense. But I mean, you can't. We've got to get out of the talking point and name calling. Absolutely. And look, whether it's political consultant driven or social media driven (laughs) or just like, you know, term limit driven, I don't really care where it's coming from. But we have to be able to fight and and vigorously debate tough issues without turning into just demonizing everyone else. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to get a good solution that works for the long term, you got to get everyone's buy-in. Well, and well, that's so that point has a couple of realities in it there. First up, how do you get it? You talk with a lot of lawmakers on both sides of the aisle because there are issues that lobby is in favor of that requires you to talk with both Republicans and Democrats. So if you can get them into a room and you had to tell them and you may have already done this, I don't know, because you talk with a lot of folks. What would you say to them? that would bring them to a place where they can understand, hey, your individuality, your political ideology, all those things are fine and you can keep those, which is great. But guys, the way we're doing it here, the customers we're serving, the four and a half million customers we're serving, they're looking at this as a circus and they, it's going to be hard to get them to be with us on anything if we keep this up. What would you tell them? It's a challenge. I'm not going to lie to you. That, that is a hard challenge because... <clears throat> You know, because I have my own perspective, they have their perspectives. I mean, I think the only thing you can do is kind of treat it like uh, you, you humanize it. You sit down, you look someone eye to eye, you try to understand where they're coming from, you try to make them understand where you're coming from, and you kind of tear down the walls that get built up because mm-hmm. of all of the political theatrics that dominate policymaking these days. But that, that you can't do that through a tweet. You can't, <laughs> you can't do that through a Facebook post. No. you got to go sit down and shake someone's <laughs> hand and get to understand it. Sometimes that means, that means getting out of your comfort zone and going and sit down in their comfort zone and putting yourself in tough situations. And so we try to do that a lot. Yeah. I mean, I live in my car. I can tell you every back road oh, in yeah. this state I'm right now. Sure. Yeah. Because if someone says, hey, look, we need to talk about this, I'll say, where are you going to be? I'll come to you. Because I feel like I need to go experience someone else's situation mm-hmm. in order not only to better understand them, but also it may help me relate to what I'm trying to accomplish in a way that they get for the first time. Because you sit in those buildings and everyone's watching you and, and you know, the press and the social media and there's mm-hmm. tweets and all this stuff. Everyone kind of, you know, gets their defenses up. Sometimes you got to just humanize the whole thing. And once you get to that point and, you know, sitting, kind of that concept of sitting on the back porch with a yeah. beer, talking to yeah, someone, yeah, yeah. then you get back to that Tip O'Neill, Ronald Reagan right. moment. Where, all right, we've been fighting all day, but let's sit down and talk through this and figure where we go from here. With people being so entrenched in... Uh, you know, and their positions on their sides and not even wanting to be seen together at a coffee shop or passing each other in a department store. How do you do that? And social media exacerbates that now. And, and so it really is out of hand. How do you get to what you were just talking about? Well, I mean, sometimes you just have to kind of let situations outside your control push you in that direction. And I mean, to me, we're almost there. I mean, let's be honest. Our, our, our budget is pretty much busting at the seams. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of our systems of government are, are struggling to meet demand. Our economy is stagnating. I mean, right. if, if it wouldn't be for the national growth that's literally pulling us along, we would be really struggling right now. Lake Charles, the boom that's going on in Lake Charles mm-hmm. and the national company, uh, excuse me, economy pulling us along is helping us, you know, mask a lot of underlying problems. If you dig deeper in the numbers, you know, our unemployment may, rate may look good. It's bottom 10 in the country. Our workforce participation rate, the number of adult age people looking for a job right now is the lowest it's been since 1977. All right. We've got far too many people not looking for jobs. We've got real fundamental problems. So I tell you all that because sometimes, look, there's a gravitational pull here. And we can't keep running to the legislature every year to sessions expecting that you know, we're one tax away from this great you know, you know, city on a hill. We ain't, we ain't even close. And so people are going to have to get together because the options are, are almost there's nothing left to do but work together. Governor John Bill Edwards would say that he is intending to fix what's broken. He's intending to fix the problems that he inherited and that he would like to fix these problems. But the Republicans won't work with him. Your response to that, and obviously you work with people on both sides, but your response to that argument is what? I, I think... His approach to lead, every governor has a different approach to leadership. Yeah. Okay. And his approach, as I can best, you know, appreciate it, is he likes to say something like, Look, I want higher ed funding and I'm open to anything. And if you don't bring me a solution, then you're a partisan hack playing games. And so stop playing partisan games and bring me the solution. I'm open to any tax, I'm open to any fee. I just want them funded. Now, that that's that some may call that extreme flexibility. Hey, that's great. He's open to anything. That's cool. Some may see that and say, we want a specific plan from a leader. So tell me exactly what you want to do, where you want the money to come from, what mm-hmm. you think that impact will be on the industry or person you're putting that tax on. Have you thought about the ripple effect? If you want manufacturing taxes to go that high, have you thought about what that does to the manufacturing base and the number of jobs that that makes available to, to kids coming out of a two-year system or a high school to, to go you know, succeed in Louisiana? Have you mm-hmm. thought about those things? But that's, his approach to leadership is, I'm open to anything. Bring me a solution. And if you don't, I think you're being partisan. And I just, I think our problems are too specific for that to be effective with a long haul. And that's my biggest concern. I like it when he gets specific. I was just going to ask you that. Are you saying that he isn't a a leader who leads with a specific direction? Is that what you're saying? I I think he is. he, He feels like state government needs more revenue in order to do things that he thinks are important. Absolutely. Yet I think his consultants have told him, don't come out and say the word tax and don't get behind a specific tax. Just be open to all of them and wait to see what they bring you. And so I think that's why we go to after session, after session, after session. And no one wants to be specific because everyone's been trained. Oh, don't be specific because you'll get yelled at. And so we have a building filled with people who are open to anything but don't want to stand for something. And I just think that's why we square dance in the Capitol every other month in a special session. You going to run for governor? I don't know. I really don't know. I, I don't have like this lifelong dream to run for office, but I'll tell you what, I'm a guy who is frustrated where the state is. I just want me, I, I want us to tackle our problems. I People really do. People are talking with you about running for governor. And it's flattering and humbling and it's, it's, it's weird to have people encourage you to do something like you haven't that. haven't told them you're not running. I told them I tell you, I don't know. I, I, I want the state. Is this another version of I have the job I want? No, it's not. I can promise you it ain't that. No, I'm, I, look, I'm a, I have a couple priorities in my life, okay? Right. One, 
I have a family that I Amen absolutely that. adore. Yep. And all I want to do really is make sure that they get everything they need from me. Yep. That's my number one goal. I and I feel like right now you. I got a good balance on that. It's yeah. cool. I like that. You know, yeah. my, my, my kids are enjoying time with me. I get home for dinner more times than I don't. It's a, it's a good rhythm right now. Yeah. There's another side of me, though, that is heartbroken where I think the state can be. And I'm not I'm not trying to be all negative Nancy here and yeah. oh, we're terrible. I'm not saying that. But I just see unlimited potential in this state. And I really just want it to be led with specifics on the issues we need. We have to do some things that are tough. We have to reform our pensions. We have to get K-12 yeah. much more reform-minded and choice-driven. Yeah. We've got to we've got to make some specific changes. Constitutional Convention. If someone either new runs on that or if the existing governor says, you know what, that's my plan and I'm going to go hard on that, that's what I want to see. And until someone does that, my answer is I don't know. I don't know, meaning I'm considering it, but I'm not really sure that I want to do it or I don't know if I want to think about that. Define I don't know. Let me drill down here just a little bit. Man, I don't know. I would say all of the above. I Ooh. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How disgusting is that? That thing, you know, come on, you know. I, I mean, look, it is what it is. I mean, I can't, I can't make up something that's not the truth for you. Well, I appreciate that. So I, I don't know. As he reaches for for his soda, I, I, that is soda, is it? Isn't it's, a, it? it's a diet coke. Okay, it's a diet coke. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> just a couple more questions because there are a couple more things I want to ask you yeah. about. But when you say, let me just leave it here. Are you considering it? I don't know what my future holds, and I don't. And so, you know how much I, bull that is, Wags. No. You're not even considering it. I haven't ruled anything out, and I haven't <laughs> ruled anything in. How about that, Clay? I don't know. I, I could tell what you. What did you just say to me? All I are can you? Tell you is I don't know. Are you considering it? That's a yes or no question. Are you considering? it? I haven't ruled. Anything you don't know if out. you're considering it. I haven't ruled anything <laughs> out. I haven't. I worked out this morning. I don't have the energy for this. So you, let's move you're looking on. Good. You're looking good. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. Just uh, I, a simple yes or no. I don't see. Here's what I think. And I, you don't have to answer. You're, if, if, if I'm telling the truth, just don't respond. Uh, here's if, what if I, there's one takeaway. Here's what I would say. I, I, I don't care who runs as much as I care what is said. And I do think that we have a, a, a dwindling shot clock in Louisiana yeah. where for a long time we got away with punting the tough issues. Yeah. And passionate together, and I honestly, fundamentally think that those days are drawing near. And we need specific solutions, and they're tough. They're not easy. And if someone steps up to run on that, I'll be the first one knocking doors on their behalf. Any chance his name will be Stephen Wagusback? I don't know. I don't know. There's a you know, Stephen Wagusback used to play for LSU back in the day. Yeah, but not him. He was a baseball player. I I didn't keep track of that guy. I'm not sure where he is these days. Not him. I'm talking about the other guy. We're not related though. No, but that other guy is that other guy thinking about it? I don't know. I don't know. You're so <laughs> All right, let's talk about the uh, the the scorecard. Yeah, man. And so it's been something that you you I didn't realize it had been twenty years. Yep. Uh, and I knew it had been going on for a while, and uh, you know, and I saw some stuff about it, and then you you kind of sent me the release yeah. this morning again. And let's for people not familiar with it, because there there are people. Who can he- who hear this from a distance? But as you and I know, people are living their lives, and they're not in the weeds on a lot of this stuff like like we can be. What is the lobby scorecard? 
Yeah, so every year for 20 years, and, and this is typical for state chambers around the country. Mm-hmm. We're not the only one that right, does this. Right, right. And so what we do is we try to pick out what are the top 10, 20 bills that are voted on in a year, and those are the ones that are most important to the business community. And so we put we, 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 we see who votes yes and who votes no right. and who takes a walk, and we put a grade on those, and we send it out to, to our members and to anyone, to the general public, because mm-hmm. we feel like it's our duty to put the truth out there on the issues that we think are most important for enterprise, here's where folks stand. And that means some years we applaud certain people and some years we say, look, you, you dropped the ball this year. And it's the most transparent scorecard you're ever going to find. A lot right. of groups put scorecards out and they do, they do it by emotion. We do ours by the data. Here's the 20 bills we care about. Here's where you voted. This is the score. And I think it's very cool. Um, it's a it's a great document we put out. It's on our right, website at right. labi.org. Go was, check yeah, it out. Yep, go yep, go yep. explore it and look. Challenge us if you see a bill on there. Say hey, why is this scored? Reach out to us. We'll, we'll talk to you about it. it. It's always because we hear from our members that are important to them. It's a good quick read and it it helps people dig down into the way I, our state's chamber of commerce is viewing what's important in the legislature. So and people can go and check the whole thing out. But by virtue of of what is uh, what the scorecard is? Who are the top three most productive legislators based upon your scorecard? Well, you kind of put me on the spot here. I don't have it in front of me, but that's um, good. Okay, so well, or name three of the most productive because I mean, not everybody scored on the high end, obviously. Yeah, I think there were like, if I remember right, like forty plus um, mm-hmm. what we would call all stars and MVPs. That's right. So an MVP is a hundred percenters. An all-star is over 90%, and honorable mentions over 80. Mm-hmm. And so that's a pretty good ratio. That's similar to years in the past. I'll tell you one name that stands out. Exactly. is um, Julie Emerson from Acadiana. Right. Um, she got 100%. I think it's the third year in a row. And three of her bills, if I remember right, were ones we scored. And so she not only voted the right way, but she had several bills that we felt were critical. And they were all dealing with deregulation. Mm-hmm. She took a lot of tough stances this year, trying to deregulate certain industries, which is we have a lot of industries that it requires basically have to pay a fee and go get some, you know, arduous training to, to right. get in there. Where a lot of times, hey, that's a barrier to free enterprise in our opinion. And so Julie had a couple of bills, and so I would say she's probably the one that stands out the most because not only scored well, but also introduced bills that we graded. Acadiana is an interesting part of Louisiana mm-hmm. because of how they stick together. And I mean that in, in an affectionate way. They they tend to stick together. It's it's not this or that. We're all Cajuns or we're all, you know, we're all from the Acadiana area. Some people actually over in that area don't even like to be considered Cajun. They sure. don't like that. But they they hang together and they've got what about and, and and we'll end on this these what do you consider the best mindset that someone can have if they're interested in becoming a member of the House or Senate as it relates to serving their constituents? while still working in the best interest of all of Louisiana? All right, that's a great question, and it's a timely one. Okay. Um, we have big-time term limits next year. Mm-hmm. You're going to have, again, over 60 new members of the legislature. Um, you know, Obviously, we have a policy wing, but we also have a political wing at Lobby, and so we're out right now trying to recruit candidates. And so I am around the state begging people to consider running for office, and it is amazing to me. I'll talk to a small business owner. And they have turned an idea at their kitchen table into three, four, five, ten stores. Mm-hmm. They have employees. They have equipment. They've gone into the bank and taken out loans and paid those loans back. And they've done market analysis and spreadsheets and business plans. They do all this stuff. And I'll talk to them about that. And they'll say, oh, I'm not qualified to run for the legislature. I'm not a lawyer. Right. 
And I'm like, listen, first of all, we got plenty of lawyers in that capital. We don't need more. No doubt. Let's be clear on that. No doubt. Second thing is, look at yourself. You are an entrepreneur. You understand the, the, the duty and the burden of, of having a payroll, mm-hmm. of looking an employee in the eye and say, I'm sorry, I got to let you off. Or I'm sorry, I can't give a raise this year because times are tight. Mm-hmm. You have the, the type of embodiment and spirit that we need more of in the Capitol. Right. You're exactly the person that should run for the legislature. And so I want people to consider out there, if you are a small business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're young and hungry, if you drive around looking around the state and you're saying, I think we can do better. You don't have to have any more than that to run for office. It's really just a fire in the belly. Well said. Is what you need. The rest takes care of itself. Groups like us, Mm -hmm. we can give you perspectives on how to run a campaign, how to raise money, what policies to have. If you don't like our ideas, go get someone else's. But I, I think people who are not a product of the system can't just go home and kick the dog and yell at the wind saying politics is terrible. You gotta step up and be involved. I think Louisiana is one election away from turning a tide. And it's not any one person that you can elect or kick out of office yeah. that's going to change it. It is a movement that has to happen. I agree with you, man. So, And I, it's that's, I can't add to that. So listen, when you announce your candidacy, will you come and do an interview <laughs> about it here on the show? As you know, my answer is I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you on social media, brother? I am uh, a little bit everywhere, probably yeah. too, too many places to be honest with you. How can people um, follow you? Um, I'm at Stephen Wags on Twitter. If you, that's usually where I'm most active. Um, I'm on Facebook under my name and at Lobby. We are L A B I underscore Biz B I Z. That's a good place to go. Also, um, I'm on Instagram and all that. I'm not on Snapchat though. Me neither. You know, my my oldest son is is starting to communicate via Snapchat mm. with his buddies because that's what they do. Yeah. And I've tried to get on there just to kind of, you know, half be cool and half to lurk he over his shoulder. And I don't even know how to do it. I'm not really yeah. confused on no, it. So. And, and I think these kids believe that it's gone after, what, 30 seconds or whatever. Nothing leaves the Internet. Nothing. It's there. Exactly. It's a, it's a word to the wise. I was in a couple of years ago with the football team. Hiller had me in a group to go in and speak to this. Actually, this was Les's first season, last season uh, with the team. And one of his ADAs was the star of the of the event because she broke the news to these boys that this Snapchat stuff, you think it goes away. It doesn't go away. And she was explaining to them how we can still get it. And they were, oh, what? What is she talking about? It's like, mm hmm. Now, you know, it's true. <laughs> and look, a lot of times, I mean, not. Not to go off into the tangent, but it's not even what your kid may be sending. Oh, sure. It could just be what they're receiving. It's, it, it, and, or, yeah. And, and so, look, there's a, a personal responsibility yep. that our children have to understand how to deal with yep. that maybe, you know, d- different thing we didn't have to learn. And so, like, how to teach that as a parent when I don't even understand how the technology works. It's tough. It's, it's, it's a challenge sometimes. But, man, if you're not a hands-on parent yeah. out there, then you're not doing your job. Dude. Because it, it requires hand-on, attentive you know, love and advisement every single day. It's not even windows and front doors anymore. All kinds of bad stuff can yeah, get man. into your house by virtue of a cell phone. Yeah, I agree. And so, well, listen, man, I always appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on and talking with we us. We didn't talk to Tigers at all. You said we were going to talk about oh, football. Oh, come on, baby, let's do it. Let's. So here's the thing. Everybody that I'm talking to seems to believe, and I don't, seems to believe that Ed Orgeron won't finish this season. I don't think I don't think that's a real place right now. What do you say? I'm always going to be an optimist two weeks before kickoff. <laughs> I mean, I'm just telling you that right now. You can call a shortcoming what you want. I'm an optimist two weeks before kickoff. I'm not going to go into a season saying sky is falling. Absolutely. I think 
I think we are going to be a good team mm-hmm. with a very difficult schedule. Yeah. And so you get a starting lucky, with Miami oh, yeah. and Dallas. So you get a break or two versus Miami. You get a break or two on the road at Auburn. Hey, next thing you know, that thing can go in a good direction. You get a bad break or two in those two games. You know that it could go in a rough direction. But it's been I, it's I'm been proven if you keep that turnover chain in a box and yes. don't have them passing it That's around, Miami's secret they sauce. have a hard time scoring if they don't get turnovers. That's why I think you're gonna for all the quarterback controversy and all that stuff, and you know we're gonna pass it a lot. I think you're gonna be some, you're gonna see some cautiousness in that yeah. first game. Yeah. I think we're beating Miami. I can tell you that right now. And I think the quarterback play, whoever it ends up being, is going to surprise some folks because I think our receivers are that talented. Um, and I think Hensminger, I think, is going to have a better rapport with everybody because that that toxicity that was there when Canada was here is gone because yeah. Canada wasn't. Uh, I, I don't know. He and Ed just did not seem to mesh. Yeah, at from all. the very beginning, it just didn't yeah. quite fly. And you know, sometimes you can have talent, but if talent doesn't work well together, it is what it is. So I think we'll be okay on offense, and I think Aranda and those guys are going to have their ears pinned Dude, back this year. Man. I've seen him up close work. He is no nonsense. Dude never smiles. Hell, I think he barely blinks. And so, and so they mean all business. And the thing is, I think we finally moved away from beating Bama. I mean, one day it's going to happen. But let's all be realistic. It might not happen this year. But who knows? Is that why you're wearing that red tie right now? Oh, uh, you. You see? <laughs> no. No, no, I'm you're suspect. So wait a minute. You sit here and dance like Gregory Hines around the question <laughs> about running for governor, and you throw that at me. No, 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 no. I'm actually going to be at that game. You going to that game? The last time I went to the Bama game yeah. was in 2011 when we beat them. What was it, 7 6 or whatever? And you hadn't it was. been since? I hadn't been since. But I'll tell you, a maybe bad, you need to go to the game. Well, here's a bad omen. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to the Auburn game this year. Okay. And I'm bringing my boys with them because I feel like they need to go to a hostile road environment. This is going to be the one we're doing. The last time I went to Auburn was 1994. Do you remember what happened in 1994? The Jamie Howard game yeah. with all those interceptions. Yeah. Ooh, so I'm going back for payback. What, this year. what did you wait so long on the Alabama game, though? What happened? On the Auburn game? Maybe? No, no, no. You said the last time you went to the Bama game, we beat Alabama. Yeah. So what happened? I don't know, man. It's uh, I, I got that that win was such a good magical night. And I got a buddy that lives in Birmingham, so we went together and we high-fived all the way out. And I don't want to mess up that memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, uh, I, think, I think it'll be a pretty good season. I'm a realist about everything. It's, it's going to be fine. And what about the Saints? I know you're a big Saints fan. What about the Saints? Oh, man, you keep number nine upright, we're going to be good. I think you can get two more years out of him. Better defense, great Maybe the best draft class oh, yeah. in the league last year. Well, they brought in Jeff Ireland a couple of years ago. Yeah. He's obviously made a, a been a difference maker on their talent evaluation yep. Yep. because they're they're hitting it on the mark. He's been around draft. a long time too. Yeah. Where were you when uh, the Minnesota thing happened? Oh. <laughs> I was in my living room with my boys. We were literally like you know all. Did fired they hear up. you use we some words that just... you don't normally use in front of them? No, my, my wife would tell me it's no fun watching a big game with me because I go quiet in big moments. See, that's Good or me. bad. That's me. And so basically I just didn't speak for about, right. I don't know. It felt like 10 minutes, but to her probably like two days. I just didn't speak. No noise, no nothing. Didn't move, quite frankly. I just kind of watched it. Brother, so. I was in Dallas. I just think I just told Matt Williams this story. I was in Dallas at the Omni 
I had an event there the next day, and there's a sports bar there. And so, and it's very nice. You know, the Omni, just yeah, it's yeah, the whole awesome. And so, man, some Saints fans were there, and Cowboy fans were there, and they were going back and forth because, quite frankly, Cowboy fans giving the Saints fans a hard time. When, when was the last time the Cowboys were in the playoffs? Long time ago, I guess. I don't so, know. probably Romo days, maybe. Yeah, oh, did, or did they did go da, with Prescott? I think yeah, Dak got in there. First, he got in there his first year. Yeah, rookie year Dak. Yeah. So they're going back and forth, and man, that place went dead silent for about 10 seconds. And once that kid got into the end zone and got through the end zone and the kick went up, the Cowboy fans started in on the Saints fans, and I swear, I don't think that was going to work out for the Cowboy fans. <laughs> Let me just say that. I've... I don't know that I've ever seen a game go that close, that that much from being a done deal to just being away like that. That that was a one of the worst endings. It's a fluke play. I mean, that was let's al- be honest. That it was, was a almost, fluke play. It was almost Bill Buckner esque. I hate to say oh, it. Man. Now that and that guy Marcus Williams got a fantastic career. And Bro, I think why the, are people the giving he, that kid a hard time. Dude, man. The way he's handled it, I think has been awesome. I mean, people and are I'm giving him a hard time. Guy. Yeah, I am man. pulling for that guy so He's much. He's a good kid. And listen, it was just it, it, the, everything about that was it was flukish. The fact that he kind of ducked and then <laughs> he took out one of his teammates who might have been able because all he needed to do was push the kid out of bounds. But but you got to be careful, man. I mean, th- think about I hate to say this, but think about Bill Buckner. That guy probably had a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, people remember one play. Think about Scott Norwood. You know who that is? Yeah, the kicker for the Bills who missed the the, the field goal against the Giants in guy, the Super Bowl. Guy had a fantastic career. Yeah, he did. But you remember one kick? Yeah, and Leon he, Lett. Leon Lett. You know, yeah. celebrating too early before he got in the end zone. Yeah. Uh, wrong way, Jim Marshall, guy oh, for the Vikings man. back in the day, had a fantastic oh, Hall of Fame career, picked up a fumble, yeah, ran the wrong way. His nickname is Wrong yeah, Way Marshall dumbest, years and years yeah, later. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to be careful with some yeah. of these, like, memorable What would you call him plays. if you gave him a nickname? Who, Marcus Williams? Yeah. Ooh. I'll stick with my same answer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Wags, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for over 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money. That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here, and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call, 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. ExecutoneLA.com. Executone of Louisiana. They still here, and they're going to continue to give you great service. 
Enjoyed having Wags here in studio. Looking forward to what this fall is going to look like. I love me some Southern, love me some LSU, and as most of you know, I love me some 49ers. I mean, I'm a Niner fan. Football season is just upon us, and I wish we can get to a place in sports media where we could just talk about sports. That would be great. The politicization of sports has not really worked out well for viewership. People look at sports as a departure from that. And when we start taking sports so seriously that, you know, just that we just we we don't focus on what's happening on the court or on the field. It's like, man, that ain't working for me. I just you want to get away from that stuff. There are a billion channels you can turn on news channels if you want to watch that. And again, another tangent I can get into on another day. But we appreciate Wags coming in and talking with us. And we'll get him back sometime soon. I think this was his third trip onto the podcast. And we'll get him in here really soon again to talk about what's happening in Louisiana. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Don't forget my guest on next week's show will be Walter Monsoor, formerly the chief administrative officer of the city of Baton Rouge. Also, he ran the Redevelopment Authority and is now very active in some other things that you will hear about on next week's show Spread the word, y'all. You see the post about this thing on social media, share it. Get the word out. Tell people about the Clay Young Show. And I am super excited about what's coming to two, Podcast 225. As, as, a, as a matter of fact, uh, pretty close to securing something now. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that and looking forward to what's ahead. Thank you guys for your support and your continued listenership. And we're back next week with episode 172. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.